You are listening to the Embassy Church Podcast, and here is today's message. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just sitting there. Thank you, Jesus. When Charity was talking about that, that we're the one that he loves, that I'm the one that he loves, and that I'm enough. That when we sing to him, Jesus, you're more than enough. He says, you're, you're enough. And thinking about how he never leaves us or forsakes us. And he started showing me just pieces of my life where I've been one, one time in particular, just so lost in, in my own sin, just... I don't even know how I'd gotten as far as I'd gotten. And I was just thinking like, oh, before she was saved, no, while I was. And just gotten to this place where I was just like, how did I get here? And he showed me this picture of him sitting with me and he was counseling me out of it. It's what you're gonna do. He wasn't mad at me. He wasn't ashamed of me. He was sitting with me. He showed me another place where I had drank way too much. And I knew that I got there because I was just so disappointed. And he was holding me. Talking to me. Not ashamed of me. With me. Then he showed me the moment. Where I had just lost my dad. And I had to preach. And hold it together. And he showed me it was him. Holding me together. Not alone. He was with me. And he showed me the moment where I had walked into the bathroom and shut the door. And all of my trying to hold it together had broke. And he showed me him opening the door, walking in, sitting with me holding me. I wasn't alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. It does not matter what you are going through. He's counseling you through it. He's walking with you through it. It doesn't matter how alone you feel, you're not alone. How empty, how hurt, how lost, you are not alone. You are not alone. He's right there with you, Not just this moment, not just this moment because you're in church. When you walk out that door, when you get in your car, when you feel the weight of the world, you are not alone. He is sitting there with you and I pray that in this moment, whatever it is that you're walking through, that you are seeing him right beside you, being who he needs you to be right there in this moment, in the moment tomorrow, whatever you need, That's what he is. However deep of sin that you're into and you feel you can't get out, he is speaking to you. He is speaking to your spirit. He is speaking to you and he's loving you through it. Not anything separates you from his love. So Father, I pray. I pray right now, Father, you love them so much that this love would be imprinted on them, Father, and that they would hear the words, you're enough, just you, you're enough.
and that there would be this revelation that would spring up on the inside of them that they would know I'm the one he loves. It's me. It's me. I'm it. I'm the one he loves. And that, Father, whatever each person here is going through in their life, because we know life, God, life, that they would see you with them, not alone, not leaving them, not turning your back on them, but with them in this moment, with them in their moments to come. Because we are the ones you love. and let them know that love so deep. Thank you, God. Thank you for your love. You're so good. He's so good. Wow. Ruining my makeup for Jesus. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much. (laughs) What a gentleman. He knows. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Well, you can be seated. Oh, you already are. Okay, well... I, I just got contacts, and so I'm learning, and sometimes I can't see. So we'll see how church goes today, how reading goes today. Um, when I was reading the Christmas story, there was a phrase that stuck out to me while I was reading it, and I just, I, I kept going back to it, and I kept thinking about it for weeks on end, and So I'm going to read it to you, and and then we'll kind of go from there. In John 18, verse 37, Jesus is brought before Pilate. And he, he goes before Pilate, and of course they're questioning him, asking him questions. And, and this is what Pilate says to Jesus. So Pilate said, so are you a king? And Jesus responded, you say I'm a king, actually. I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. What is truth? Pilate asked. What is truth? And that, that I just kept going back to. What is truth? Pilate asked. He didn't get an answer. But I think it was a question that he was asking. What even is truth? And I think that in our world today, we can, we could ask that question too. There are so many things being said out there for everything, for everyone has a truth. There's truth about this and that's the truth. And then there's this and that's the truth. That there's so much truth. What is truth? What is truth? I was thinking about different things that my, my mom, she was a, she was a character. She loved um, to play jokes on you, and I mean, she just was. She would, she would say things, and you were never sure if she was telling the truth or not. I usually learned eventually that she was joking, and I probably picked up the same sense of humor. My kids know it well, but my nieces and nephews always left my house telling their parents stuff that Auntie Megan said that was not correct. But, and I'd say, I didn't know. They didn't know, they were, they didn't know I was joking. And so I was thinking about things that my mom said that I literally have believed my whole entire life until like 10 years ago, I'm not even kidding. And so some of them are, I, was, I wrote them down, some of them are that I thought that if you rang the doorbell too many times, your house sat on fire, set on fire. Like I literally thought that. So much so that it was like, I wonder why we have these dangerous little things hanging on every one of our houses, you know? My mom told me that. We all know why my mom told me that, right? But because I like to ring the doorbell. Um, If you stand outside in the rain, that the rain will deposit sparkles on your hair and that's why our hair is shiny. It's from the rain. Not true, not true. If you swallow your gum, you guys probably all have been told this. If you swallow your gum, it will never leave your stomach and the more gum you swallow, the bigger the ball of gum will become and you will eventually have to go to the doctor and have it surgically removed. Yes. Oh, no, Lean's saying that's true. Okay, now. <laughs> right, my mom told me that. Um, another one, and this one's funny because I literally, I literally thought this while being an adult. When in a car and the bass is really loud, and you know when you feel it in your chest? 
well, here, this is a tidbit of information. That is fish bones that you swallowed that never left your chest. And so when the base goes, that's the fish bones. When you drink a can of pop, there are little critters inside the pop. And as you drink it, they go onto your teeth and start eating your teeth until you brush them. <laughs> what is truth, right? <laughs> All these things that I was told as a joke, I'm sure she didn't think that I would believe them forever, but things that, I, that shaped how I saw things, like the doorbell. Like, we must not ring that doorbell too many times. We don't want to set people's house on fire, you know? Things that shaped me through filters that I saw. Truth in the world today, all over the place, that is shaping us. But what is truth? Little bits, maybe little bits of it are truth, but what is truth? Truth, in definition, is the absolute standard by which reality is measured. By which our reality is measured. So with all these voices out there, what are we measuring our reality by? Real truth, absolute truth, is God's view on any subject. That's the truth that we should measure our life by. And I have this concern and I, and I submit it to you today, not in, in any arrogance, not in any judgment, not in anything, because I had to search my own heart and life. But there are so many voices right now speaking, I think, louder. We have access to so much information. But is our truth grounded in the Word of God? Is that the first thing that we're going to? In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 7, it says, they're always learning, but they're never able to come to the knowledge of the truth always looking for, always digging, and it's become the spirit of the age to dig, to look, to try, to get, we're after something, we're looking for the truth, and we're never actually grasping it and grabbing it. John 16, 13 says that he is the spirit of truth, and he will guide you into truth. And it's become this, there's become this almost franticness of, I gotta get to the, I gotta find it, I'm missing something, there's something missing, but I'm almost there. And, it, and it's almost become like this, this, I don't know, this spirit, this cycle, this, it's almost fear driven. And you don't need to be in fear because he says, I, I am the spirit of truth. I'll lead you to it, I will guide you. You don't need to dig, you don't need to worry, you don't, I, I'll lead you to it because I am it. The Bible says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You, you want to know the truth? Look to me. I'm it. I'm the truth. Like Pilate says, what's the truth? Jesus says, I, uh, it's me. I'm it. You should be looking to me. Many times we're getting everyone's viewpoint on a matter, including our own viewpoint, and we may even have all of the facts. But you can have the facts and not have the truth. You can have information, but still not have the truth. And I felt, I felt like, I felt like I, that I'm bringing a warning word to us today. And again, I stand with no, just like we need to get back to the truth. What's the truth? What, what is God's viewpoint on a matter? What is he saying today to us? In John 8, 31, this is to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. And then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Where is the truth found? 
in the word of God, in him, in Jesus. That's where the truth is. And we're, and we're looking, we've got the news on all the time, or we're, we're, on, we're, we're on social media, we're listening to podcasts, and we're all looking for the truth. But it's not setting you free because it's a truth, but it's not the truth. And I fear that this, this, this race of going after the truth is actually putting us more and more in bondage, and we don't even recognize it. Like the verse says that we just read at the beginning, always learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Second Timothy three verse 14 says, but you must remain faithful to the things that you have been taught. The fact that it says you must remain faithful to it means that there might be a chance that it might be easy not to. You know they are true for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the holy scriptures from the childhood and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true. And to make us realize what is wrong in our lives, it corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. We're in a time where there are a lot of things being taught. And I feel like this verse is accurate for the time we're in. You must remain faithful to what you've been taught. For the word of God is useful to teach you what is true. We look to the word of God because you're not gonna miss anything. This is, this is the truth. I read this quote, I like it, I'm going to read it for you. Our scope of knowledge is very limited because we can, we can only see what we can see. And if all we can see is what we see, we really don't see all there is to be seen. I'll read it again because I had to read it a few times when I read it. <laughs> Our scope of knowledge is very limited because all we can see is what we see. And if all we can see is what we see, we really don't see all there is to be seen. Only God sees it all. And I promise you, God sees it all. And I think sometimes we get into fear that, that what, if, what if we miss it, you won't miss it. Why? Because he's the spirit of truth and he will reveal truth to you. You're not gonna miss it. God isn't missing it. Not in this moment, not in the craziest of life, the way the world is today, he's not missing it. God sees it all. We are chasing to see more, but you will only see what is right in front of you. Why? Because there's a spiritual and invisible realm and you don't see all that there is to be seen. Ephesians 6, 12 says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Against mighty powers in the dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. He says, there's an unseen world and so we're chasing after things that are seen but you won't see all that there is to be seen. This is why we must be chasing and searching out the truth of the word of God, who he is, what is he saying, because the truth is what informs the facts. And then you will know how to feel about it. The truth informs the facts, and then it tells you how you'll feel about it. If, if, if you were to read the word of God and it says, God will provide for you, 
We know it says it in the word, God provides for you. If you search out the scriptures and this is what the Lord says, I will provide, that is the truth. That is the truth that you hold on to. God is going to provide, end of story, it's the truth. That truth then informs the facts. So the facts may be that some big bills have come. That's the facts, there are big bills. But the truth of the word of God says, I will provide. So that truth then informs the facts, which then informs me how I'll feel about it. God will provide, I don't need to worry. But there has been this slight switch that has taken place where we've been chasing facts. And because we haven't, the word of God, put the word of God as this is the truth. The facts have become the truth and then we have been responding to it out of fear. But God says, no, 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 no. you gotta reverse this. You, you, need to, you need to be digging in the word. If you're spending more time digging into what the world is doing right now, then you are in the word of God, then you are in spending time with God, then you are finding out what God has to say about a matter, it's backwards. Romans 1.25 says, they traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. I, I think this is interesting because they traded the truth of God for a lie. I don't think they did it on purpose. I don't because nobody's like, lie to me. Lie to me and I'm gonna run with it, right? Who loves being lied to? Lying hurts. It's deceptive. I, I don't think they did it on purpose. So, so there had to have been a slippery slope that kind of began to, ha- it, was, it was subtle. All of a sudden they were trading something that they knew for something that was a lie. And it turned their hearts away for God. And this is the warning. I, that subtly, even if it's facts, even if it's knowledge, even if it's information, that it's causing hardness in our own heart. Or our hearts to turn little by little away from the truth of the word of God. It's not the truth that you can quote that will set you free. It's the truth that you know. And a lot of us have been searching after truth and it's become the truth that we can quote. It's the truth that we can see in front of us, but it's not all the truth. In Matthew 4, verse 6, we know as Jesus, who is the truth, has gone into the wilderness, right? And he's... He's in the wilderness and he's being tempted by the enemy and the enemy comes and he's trying him a couple of times. And this one in particular, in verse six, he says, Satan says, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scripture says, so Satan is quoting scripture to him. He will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands. And, and, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. He's quoting scripture, he's quoting a truth. And Jesus responds, the scripture also says. Satan quotes a scripture to him and he says, the scripture also says this though. In other words, you're quoting a truth, but I am the truth, I know the truth. And Jesus is the truth, but the only way that you are going to know the truth 
is by spending more time with him, is by in his word, is by making this the word of God, him, you're, that's the focus. Today I was, I was, I was actually listening to the Bible because I was trying to put my contacts in and now that's like a whole hour ordeal. And so it's like, well, I'm going to listen to this verse that I woke up in my heart. And it's one that we, we, we know, but it's, it's Mary and Martha. And, and Martha is, is getting stuff ready, right? And Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet and Martha gets upset and she's like, Jesus, come on, this woman, like get her to do stuff. And Jesus says this, and I, I'm just gonna read it from my phone. It's not, I'm sorry, I, it's not in the thing, but it says this, Martha's upset and he says, you should get her to get up, get her to do something. Why isn't anyone doing anything? sounds familiar in this world. Why, why isn't anyone panicking? Everyone panic. And the Lord says this, Martha, my beloved Martha, why are you upset and troubled, pulled away by all these many distractions? Are they really that important? Mary has discovered the one thing most important by choosing to sit at my feet, and she is undistracted. And I won't take that privilege from her. And, and I think like, is that us today? Why are we so distracted by all these many things? Are they really that important? You know what, they're not when you look in the word of God. The most important thing is sitting at his feet. The most important thing is looking to him I'm not gonna miss anything. I'm not gonna miss it. Why? He's the spirit of truth and he'll lead me into all truth. I'm not gonna miss it. Why am I distracted by all these many things? It's causing clutter. In Revelations 2, Jesus is speaking to the church in Thyatira. And he says this in verse 19, I know all the things you do. He's talking to the church. I have seen your love, your faith, your service, and your patient endurance. And I have seen your constant improvement in all things. They're growing. He's like, you're, you're moving towards it. You guys are doing it. This is good. But then he says, I, I have a complaint against you. He says, you're permitting that woman that Jezebel who calls herself a prophet to lead my servants astray. That you're, you're allowing that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet. Not everybody who calls himself a prophet is a prophet. And in fact, I've heard it said, be careful who calls themselves a prophet, what you're like. And, 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 and my warning is there's a lot of people, there's a lot of prophets out there saying a lot of things. The most important thing for you in your life is that you're hearing what God will speak to you. And I think sometimes we chase after the prophets, we chase after the prophetic word because we're afraid that we're gonna miss it ourselves. And I'm not saying prophets are bad, I love prophets, don't get me wrong. But you won't miss it, he's the spirit of truth. But it goes on to say this, in verse 24, I also have a message for the rest of you in Thyatira who have not followed the false teachings. And this is what he calls the false teachings, deeper truths as they call them. The depths, the depths of Satan actually. It seems as though they were in search for deeper truths. They were looking for more. And then he, he counsels them in this, I will ask nothing more of you except that you hold tightly to what I have until I come. 
What did he say at the beginning? You must remain faithful to the teaching. You must remain faithful to the truth. Hold on to the truth because there is gonna be a lot of voices, a lot of facts. There's gonna be a lot of noise. But I counsel you this, hold to what you know. Hold to the teachings. Hold to the truth until I come. And then the other concerns that I see and I had to look into my own heart even in this is the division that I see it causing in the church. And I'm not just talking about our church, I'm talking about the church, the body of Christ. That there is this divide that's so subtle and, and maybe you see it, maybe you don't, but I promise you that I talk to a lot of people and I hear a lot of things and I hear a lot of voices and I, and I, can, I can hear the division so subtle, but so loud. And I can see it creeping in and, and it concerns me. And so I wanna read from 1 Corinthians 8. It says, now let me address the issue of food offered in sacrifice to idols. So they had an issue that day. It's like, they, they shouldn't be eating that. And these ones were like, we can, we can eat it, it's fine. And there was this division of they can do this or we feel this and they feel that. And so there was division that was taking place in the church and it says, it seems that everyone believes his own opinion is right in the matter. How easily we get puffed up over our own opinions. But love builds up the structure of our new life. If anyone thinks of himself as a know-it-all, he still has a lot to learn. But if a person passionately loves God, he will possess the knowledge of God. It's like it seems that everyone has an opinion on something and they all seem like it's right. But it's not what matters. Loving your neighbor, that's what matters. Your passionate pursuit of God, that's what matters. That's what the weight of your life will be measured on. That's what matters. When I die, they're not gonna be like, man, she sure knew a lot. <laughs> I hope so. Actually, that would be cool. <laughs> you know what would matter to me is when some, if I passed away and someone came up and the eulogy was like, she sure loved a lot of people. She sure made people feel good. It didn't matter who they were. She welcomed them. It didn't matter. Man, she loved God. Everywhere she went, you felt the presence of God when she was around. That's what matters. And my concern is we're placing a lot of matter on a lot of stuff that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It won't change your life. The word of God will, the spirit of truth will, he will. It's not the truth that will set you free. This is the truth that will set you free. He's the truth that will set you free. He's the way, the truth, and the life. It's him. What happens is knowledge usually ends up dividing us. Our opinions get bigger but our love gets smaller and causes a divide without us even noticing it. It becomes this place of, well, this is how I think and how I feel and that's not how you think and, not, and so now we have no common ground really and so it just causes this slow divide and we don't even recognize it's happening. And remember I said at the beginning of the year that what I felt like the Lord say for us is if there's anything worth fighting for, it's unity. It's unity. The Bible says they would know us for our love for one another. 
Second Timothy chapter four says, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead. When he comes to set up his kingdom, preach the word of God, be prepared whether the time is favorable or not, patiently correct, rebuke, encourage your people with good teaching for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They'll follow their own desires and look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. And they will reject the truth and they will chase after myths. I think we're living in that day. I at any moment of time can have, go on YouTube and I can find anything that I want to hear <laughs> from any opinion. I mean, anything. I can hear what I want to hear. I can Google exactly what I want and I could probably find that my opinion is right. And you could find what, we could sit and have an argument over anything and you could Google what you wanted and I could Google what I wanted. And both of us would come up right. Another version of it says, proclaim the word of God and stand upon it no matter what. Rise to the occasion and preach when it's convenient and when it's not. Preach in the full expression of the Holy Spirit with wisdom and patience as you instruct to teach the people. For the time is coming when they will no longer listen and respond to the healing words of truth. And that the healing words I want to be one that speaks healing words. I'm almost finished. In 1 Timothy 1, verse 3, he says, When I left for Macedonia, I urged you to stay there in Ephesus and stop those whose teaching is contrary to the truth. Don't let them waste their time in endless discussion of myths and spiritual pedigrees. These things only lead to meaningless speculations, which don't help people live a life of faith in God. That's what we're supposed to do. Am I full of what would help you live a life of faith in God? Or am I full of what will help you live a life of faith in the world system or, or a life of doubt in it? <laughs> it doesn't matter. The purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience and a genuine faith. But some people have missed this whole point and they've turned away from these things and spent their time in meaningless discussions. I'm not saying that discussing things is bad, that's, but has it become the goal? Has it become the drive? Has it become the focus? What's become the focus of our life? I think that we've walked out of these, I don't even know, two years, right? almost three, I don't even know. There's been so much that's taken place, so much that we've become a focus and we've been what we've discussed and talked about and there's just been so much going on. Have we lost our focus? Are we being the light? Because I promise the truth of the word of God, that's the light. That's the light. In 1 Corinthians 8, this is the message. I read this already, but I'm reading it from the message and it says this. The question keeps coming up regarding meat that has been offered to an idol. They, what do you believe? What are your thoughts? Should we do this? Should we do not do that? Should you attend meals where such meat is served or should you not? And then he says, we sometimes tend to think we know all we need to know to answer these kinds of questions. But sometimes our humble hearts can help us more than our proud minds. We never really know enough until we recognize that God alone knows it all. I'm never gonna know enough. I'm never gonna find it all. 
But what I do know is God knows it all. And I don't, need to, I don't need to fear and I don't need to worry. Because he knows it all. And I don't need to know it all. I don't need to know it all. My life, a lot of times we want to get away from that place of complete trust in God and I, and I know that it's a scary place, but we're called to live in that space of trusting God. But what if I don't know it all, God, and you want me to still trust you? Yeah, yeah. Well, are you going to reveal it to me so I can? No, I probably will not reveal it all to you. You're just going to need to trust me, but trust that I know it all. And no amount of you digging and searching and trying to find it is going to prepare you for all that is to come. And this is my concern is that the world is changing quickly. And I don't think that we've seen it all. And I don't say that to scare you after just saying trust in God. I, I don't think we've seen all that is to come and there is things being exposed and there's lots of stuff going on. But this is my concern and this is my warning that if, that if we keep following other truths, digging, and not grounding ourselves in the word of God and time in his presence and time with him and knowing him, when the going gets tough, your anchor will not be rooted where it should be. Those truths, those facts, those things, there may be truths to it, but it will not sustain you. It's not feeding you like you think it is. And my encouragement is in this moment just to draw back. I know we have gone through shock, guys. But my encouragement is for you to just check your own heart and be like, have I all of a sudden maybe become like Martha and been distracted by all these things and worried about all these things? I didn't see this coming. That's the thing. Someone who's had heart attacks will, will tell you that suddenly they feel betrayed by their own body because they didn't see it coming. So then they live sometimes in this state of, of shock, of fear of, I didn't see it coming. Is it going to happen again? And how will I know? And, and it's a whole other world that kind of takes over them. It's the same. It's not the same, but it's kind of the same thing. We went through COVID. None of us saw it coming. I didn't see it coming. And so now we're on this hyper alert of I need to chase after anything that I can find so that I know that if anything happens and I could, listen, you're not going to find it. And listen to me, I promise you, we walked through COVID, here you are. You were sustained, you were held in, you will be sustained, you will be held in, whatever's coming, whatever you walk through in your life, God knows it all and he is already prepared for you. And so I, I, I'm just asking to pull back just for a moment, maybe just for the day, and just evaluate. I did it myself. Have I, have I become distracted? Or have I become judgmental? That has caused a divide to come up in my own heart of what I believe or who I put there or I don't like the way they think or I don't like the way they talk. I'm not asking for us all to believe the same thing. That's not even, I don't, that's not it. I'm asking for us to check our hearts and know that no, I, I need to get back to the, the, the truth and dig into this truth because it's what will sustain me. And then if, if, if I've caused a divide to come up in my heart, maybe because I've been hurt, 
Maybe because I, I believed something and I felt judged for it, so I put up a wall to keep people out, to keep myself safe. I've been there. That's me. I feel hurt, so I gotta protect myself and I will keep you at bay. I'm asking for you to take those walls down. Because none of our opinions really matter. What did Jesus say? Love, love God, love one another. That's it. That sums it all up. Love God, love one another. And the enemy will always try to come and cause divide in either of those places. Cause me to become distracted so I'm looking somewhere else and not looking at him. Or cause a place in my heart to be built up so that I keep you out. Love God, love one another. So Father, I just pray over every single one of us here. And the Holy Spirit that you are speaking to in our own hearts and our own lives of places maybe we've become distracted or worried or in fear or hurt or traumatized. That you're revealing those places in our heart, Father that you're wanting to realign, redirect, and it's always back to you. Father, I pray for those that are feeling unsafe, unsafe in this world, out of control. The Father, that they would feel held in by you that there would be safety, that a peace that would settle in on them to know that you see them, you know their name, and that you are leading and guiding them and that you're with them. And they don't need to be afraid. I just pray peace over that in Jesus' name. And Father, in the places of our hearts where there has been a divide that has so subtly begun to creep into the, into the body of Christ, over matters of opinion that don't matter, Father, that you would set our attention straight to love one another. That we don't need to see the same way but that I can still love them through it I can still walk with them through that that we're not against each other but that we're for each other that you called us to walk together and that we can walk together in love without judgment and father I pray that that rests in this house that we care for our brother and sister and their hearts, that we're concerned about what they're concerned about, that we pray for them and love them, and that we walk together the way you've designed it. That unity rests in this house, on these people, in our hearts and our lives that we would see people the way you see them, God, and not through our own filters, our own agendas. God, that you would enlarge our hearts to love more, to love bigger, to love deeper, to be more authentic, to take masks off.
to see what you see. Father, I thank you I thank you, Father, for your love. And I just pray, Father, where Father, I just thank you that you're healing hearts. I just believe, I just hear the word trauma, that there's been so much trauma. And some not even recognizing that that's the space that they've been in this trauma of feeling exposed and out of control. Feeling like nothing is really safe. And I just believe that God's healing that right now, healing trauma. Trauma to minds trauma to families, trauma to hearts. And I just declare that what the enemy meant for evil, God says, I'm turning it around for good. You will see, you will see my glory. You will see my glory. You will stand in awe of the goodness of God. And so right now, just say, I release, I release that trauma from my life. I release the trauma from my life. It doesn't need to be there anymore. I release it from my life. And I just declare healing flow right now in Jesus' name. As the peace of God settles into your heart, into your life, into your soul, causing wholeness, and a stillness. Ah, there's been so much anxiety. There's a stillness that's coming right now. You didn't even know it was there. There's a stillness coming in. And you will live your life from this peace. From this moment on, you will live this life in peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. For more information about Embassy Church, visit our website at embassychurch.ca.